and welcome to the Peaceful Pastures podcast, finding peace in the pastures, spending 10 minutes each day with your shepherd. I am Pastor Daniel Lewig, and this podcast is brought to you by Christ Countryside Ministries, the regional ministries of St. John's Hill Point, Trinity Lime Ridge, and Bethlehem Richland Center. On day two, we capture the context. We recognize our world today is just a little bit different than the world of the time of the Bible. There are customs, practices, idioms, descriptions of locations that are lost on us. On this day, we take the opportunity to explore the context of the chapters in front of us. Yesterday, we listened to chapters 1 and 2 of the Gospel of Mark. Let's explore what's taking place surrounding these chapters. But first, let us begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, sanctify us through your truth. Your word is truth. Amen. There is a lot that we can cover and focus on in these chapters. And if we were to cover everything, it would take far more than 10 minutes to do. So we are going to highlight most of the the overarching themes, along with some introductory material, to help us understand these chapters. If you would have any other questions that is not covered by this podcast that you are curious to find an answer to, feel free to reach out to us at Christ Countryside Wells, W-E-L-S, at yahoo.com. At the very beginning, the very first verse of the Gospel of Mark, it states the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Mark begins right to the point. The word gospel is a word that means good news. It's a word that is associated with the good news of salvation. He then gives the name of Jesus, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Jesus is the name given by the angel in both Luke chapter 1, verse 31 and Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. That is his personal name, meaning Savior, one who saves. Christ is his title, which means the anointed one. Christ is the Greek word that means the anointed one. Messiah is the Hebrew word that means the anointed one. Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. So here, Mark makes it very clear what his gospel is all about. Jesus, who is the anointed one, the promised Messiah, the Son of God. Very briefly, does he cover John the Baptist as the forerunner? In the following verse, he speaks about the prophecy from Isaiah, from Isaiah 40, chapter 40, verse 3. And we can also reference Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, verse 1, that John the Baptist would be the forerunner. His role and purpose in prophecy is to point to the Savior who has come. And that's exactly what John does. Uh, If we note elsewhere in the Gospels, what is it that John states? Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John's role was to point to the Savior who has come, that Jesus has come. And Mark very briefly highlights this. We made note last week in the overall context of the Gospel of Mark of certain characteristics that are in this Gospel, and one of them is 
marks urgency. We mentioned how you will see the word immediately more in this gospel than anywhere else. And just in these two chapters alone, we see the word immediately, or sometimes translated just then, seven times in just these two chapters. But what Mark does here, when we get down to verse 15 of our text, what Mark does here is highlights again to the point. What is it that he is wanting us to know? What is it that he is wanting us to understand? Of all the activities and things that Jesus said and did, what is it that he highlights and why? The first one here references Jesus' words, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe in the gospel. Well, in this verse, as Jesus makes his his purpose statement, what is it that he says, what is it that he means when he says the time is fulfilled? What would hearers have understood at that time? What should we understand? Well, the Apostle Paul references that very same concept in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, when he says, When the time had fully come, God sent his Son, born under a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. When the time had fully come, the time that is being referenced is in the Old Testament as the prophecy would take place and be passed on to wait for the promised Savior, the one who would come to redeem everyone from their sins, that the time would come when the promised Savior would fulfill that prophecy. Jesus is proclaiming that that time is now fulfilled, what all the Old Testament prophets had foretold, what they were saying would come, to look for the one who had come, the time when the Savior would come. That time is now fulfilled. But what does it mean when he says the kingdom of God has come near? Often in the Gospels, especially in Mark, when Jesus preaches, he talks about the kingdom of God. Well, when he uses that phrase, what does he mean? The kingdom of God often referred to the the reign and ruling activity of God. That's what the kingdom of God means, the reign and ruling activity of God. It often refers to heaven, where God reigns and rules for all eternity. But that reign and ruling activity of God is the proclaiming of salvation and forgiveness of sins through the Son of God. The kingdom of God that is proclaimed is salvation and forgiveness of sins through the Son of God. So the kingdom of God is the kingdom of grace. So that the kingdom of God has come near, this is the proclamation that salvation and forgiveness of sins is found through the Son of God, who has now come, that time is fulfilled, that Jesus is here. This is now the kingdom of grace, of undeserved love. Before we go any further, we should highlight a little bit more about the geography of the different places and locations that we hear about in these chapters and we'll be hearing more about as we move forward. To give you an idea in your, in your head, just to kind of put the biblical geography in mind, you have Jerusalem and the Jordan River to the south and Nazareth, Capernaum, and the Sea of Galilee to the north. Nazareth is roughly 60 to 80 miles away from Jerusalem. 
and it would be a four- to five-day journey depending upon the route that was taken. The Jordan River is what connected the Sea of Galilee to the north to the southern region of Judah and Jerusalem to the south. We'll talk about these different towns and their significance and more descriptions about them as we move forward. In chapter 2, we have a peculiar situation that takes place when it describes a packed house and people that were wanting to bring someone who was paralyzed to Jesus but couldn't get in, but determined to get in, It talks about how they went up to the roof and removed parts of the roof in the way so they could lower down their friend to Jesus. Well, it helps to understand how this was possible. Most homes at this time had a flat roof with stairs outside leading to the roof. Now, you can still imagine that the challenge it was to get someone up there. And in those, with those roofs, the thatched, roofs that were there, you could move things away in order to make this possible. So this was a a possible thing that would take place, but it definitely took determination. In chapter 2, verse 14, we get to the account of Jesus calling Levi the tax collector, or Levi also known as Matthew. Levi was his Hebrew name. In this statement when Jesus calls Matthew, the form of the Greek verb that is used here for following indicates not a one-time following, but to follow as a full-time disciple. So he wasn't just asking Matthew to follow him right then and there at that moment, but a full-time following. In chapter 2, verse 17, Jesus gets to one of his mission statements that we see in the Gospel of Mark. That those who are healthy do not need a physician, but the sick do. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. As Jesus makes this statement to the Pharisees, Jesus is reminding of the purpose of, the, of that promised Messiah, something they should have known. The promised Messiah did not come to give a pat on the back to those who are doing well, but to... Heal the sick. And as Jesus was doing this physically, he also made the point, as we see throughout these chapters, of how he was doing that spiritually. It was more important, and Jesus highlights this, for people to see what spiritually ailed them than what physically ailed them and how he had the power to heal it. It's also important to note that Jesus is not calling the Pharisees righteous, but he is making the point. They viewed it as you shouldn't spend time with those who uh, are, are sick or are beneath them, those great sinners. But rather, you should be spending time with those who follow the law and try to keep even additional things beyond the law. Those are the ones worthy of the Savior's time. Jesus is making the point, a little tongue-in-cheek, that is not those that are 
right with God, that righteousness, not those that are righteous that he's come to, to see, but as the Savior, one who saves, it's the sick who need a Savior. The problem was the Pharisees did not see themselves as those who were in need of a Savior. And that's also noted as we look at later in chapter 2, that we also see Jesus talking about and, and the people being surprised by someone who taught as one who had authority and how this was a different type of teaching. Well, the Pharisees, or uh, the experts in the law, when they would teach, these were those who would refer back to various rabbis or giving different uh, reason for their authority. These were the ones who wanted to show legalism and wanted to show this was the reason why they were able to speak as they, as they did. They focused on, on legalism. They focused on the law. Jesus spoke as someone who didn't need to bring up other experts to make their point or to show their authority. Rather, he showed his authority by, by his word and by the power that came through his word. And as Jesus spoke this way, it was different than any other expert in the law at this time, and it made the people marvel. There are a couple of final notes that we'll make here as we as we wrap up. Jesus got into challenges with the experts in the law and teachers and the the corruption of, of the Sabbath, of how they focused on the minute details of the Sabbath or man-made laws that they placed on the Sabbath, not the intent of the laws. Even in Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 25, it was considered lawful for people to pick a, a few heads of grain in someone else's field on the Sabbath. The Old Testament allowed this practice of a traveler picking up a small amount of grain from someone else's field. The, the challenges that Jesus would have with the experts in the law and the, the Pharisees dealt more with the legalism, with the Pharisees and experts in the law getting themselves more interested in man-made laws than in the laws of Scripture or the intent of the laws of Scripture. The last thing that we'll cover is at the end of chapter 2, as Jesus is driving out demons and healing individuals in great need, he often would ask them to not say anything to someone else when, when this miraculous thing would happen. And maybe you've asked yourself, why would Jesus do that? Why would he ask someone this amazing thing happened to them, how, how would they not want to share this with someone? Why would Jesus ask such a, such a thing? What Jesus was trying to do, again, the purpose, the reason why he was here, was to make sure people could see him as their savior. And so the challenge that sometimes these miracles, as they would show his authority, the challenge that would happen is sometimes Jesus would be seen as a spectacle versus Jesus as Savior. And so Jesus' intention was always to keep the focus on him as the one who has come to fulfill what was promised, the one to be the Savior, the one who had come to take away all sins. 
and we'll see that more in the coming chapters. This wraps up today's podcast. We invite you to join in next time and take the opportunity to share our podcast with someone in your life who could use some peace in the pastures. You can find our podcast on all major podcasting platforms. If you have any questions, feel free to contact us at Christ Countryside Wells, W-E-L-S, at yahoo.com. Our podcast is brought to you by Christ Countryside Ministries, the regional ministry of St. John's Hill Point, Trinity Lime Ridge, and Bethlehem Richland Center. Music used with permission from Koine, part of their soundtrack to Oh That the Lord Would Guide My Ways. You can find their music on iTunes and many other online musical stores. Scripture used in this podcast is from the Evangelical Heritage Version, used with permission from the Wartburg Project. This is Pastor Daniel Lewig wishing you God's richest blessings on your day.